encouragement through all that. It's great. As a volunteer, let's see what's to say. Uh, we were singing the song. It says, um, uh, now just now he calls you, calls and accents clear. Aren't you glad? I, I came from Nebraska. I'm glad he didn't talk to me in a Virginia accent. <laughs> or Georgia. <laughs> uh, when I first saw the uh, schedule, I saw an early form of the schedule, and I saw that the 10.30 service was the last service, and I thought, oh, no, I'm, I'm the cleanup hitter. That's a, that's a, that's a sweaty spot. You've got to make sure that all the batters that got on base, you get them all in. And uh, I thought, oh, you know, I, I knew what the Lord had given me, and I was like, this doesn't look like a, a home run type sermon. And then I found out that, no, I'm, I'm not last. And so the, that, that problem goes to Brother White. You, you have to hit the home run, brother. It's not me. All I have to do is get on base. So, Just kidding. No, we do know that it's actually doesn't matter. We're not trying to make something happen. We're just, uh, we're just ministers giving the word. And so whatever the Lord gives us, that's his problem. And uh, we just give it. And uh, I'm just a messenger, so... If you have any problems, you talk to God. But um, from a certain perspective, gospel ministry in Canada is very difficult. Uh, it's, um, it can be daunting. I mean, just in uh, 14, 15 years, we've seen so many churches close, so many brothers and sisters that um, packed up their bags for various reasons. And uh, it's, it's, uh, we've all faced uh, great adversity, and it's difficult. And uh, can, you can look at that and focus on that. Uh, you can also look at the fact that there are at least 21, I think the last count I heard was 21 pulpits that need to be filled, churches without pastors. And then we have so many areas where we need churches and there aren't churches. And you can look at the need and it can be overwhelming. And there are times it's just, I wish I could clone myself. I can barely handle doing what I'm doing. I don't want more. But uh, uh, we have to be very careful of perspective and uh, getting our, our minds right. It's good to know this information. It's good to know the need that's out here. But we need to have the right mindset about that, and where do we get that mindset from? We have to get that from God. As Prince Jonathan said to his armor bearer, it may be that the Lord will work for us, but there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Now, we don't have to really have more preachers. We would like that, and I think we should desire that. But God will work with what he has, and he could do a great deal with us if we are willing. You know, in the days of the flood, there was Noah, and you could stop there, Noah. That was it. You could say, well, what about his family? Um, he had, there were eight people that got on the ark. Well, if you read the story of after the flood, you realize that most of his family really wasn't with him either. Uh, Noah served God, and I believe Shem served God. There's some question even about Shem's wife. Uh, who, who was really following God? Well, not many. In the days of Abraham, or Abram, it was Abram, Sarai, Lot, Melchizedek, Job, in Psalm 105, verse 12, God said that there were few in number. There have been many times that God had just a handful, and then it turns around and you see great numbers come from that. 
In the days of Elijah, it was Elijah and 100 prophets that were being hidden by another man of God. And then God revealed later that there were 7,000 that had not bowed their knee to Baal. When Elijah was, woe is me, you know, he's under the juniper tree and crying and he's depressed. He had a great victory and then a woman threatens his life and he runs off and, and uh, he's weak and he's, he's cowering. He complains to God and says, I'm the only one. And the amazing thing is God doesn't say anything. He doesn't reprimand him. And he goes on and complains and God gives him some more information. And then he complains again a second time. And God still doesn't reprimand him. What does God do? He gave him a job. He said, here's what you do next. And all this time, Elijah was relearning the fact that you listen to the Lord's voice, you follow the Lord's voice, you do what he tells you to do. You don't worry about all the rest. So God does not have to have more laborers than he has in the field or vineyard. He would start with us. Few laborers does not change God in any manner. He is absolutely able. I was talking with Brother Jim Turner, though, last night, and he said to me, I believe that God is calling some, but they aren't going. Isabel Kuhn, a missionary who went to western China, came from Vancouver, she said that she believed that God calls enough laborers in every generation to reach the entire world in that generation. Now, I don't have Bible to back that up. It sounds like my God, though. I do know that in the tribulation, he will start with two prophets. And those two prophets will win 144,000. And those 144,000 are going to reach an innumerable multitude, and that will be the greatest missionary evangelistic work that's ever happened. And God's going to start with two. And I think he's going to have to do that because we are failing our mission. Let's turn to John chapter 4, verse 35. I brought a lot of water today. I'll be floating away when I leave the stage. John chapter 4, verse 35. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. I actually read that wrong. It's a question. He's saying, don't you say... Aren't you the ones that are saying it's four more months and then the harvest comes? He said, that's not what I see. God told us, or Jesus told his disciples not to anticipate a later season of harvest. They were to realize that the harvest season is right now. The season was in front of them. Right now there is work before us if we would open our eyes. Again, let's look at Matthew chapter 9. We've looked at this many times. In the last two days, Matthew 9, 37. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Jesus told his disciples that there was plenty to harvest. While they were standing in the field working the harvest. You realize that's what's happening. What's happening? 
Jesus is in the harvest right then. He's working, but he's also seeing the harvest field, and the disciples aren't seeing it yet. They're in the middle of the field not understanding, and he's trying to get their eyes in the right place. So while they're standing working the harvest, Jesus told them to pray the Lord of the harvest to send more laborers into that harvest. Let's turn to Matthew 20. Matthew chapter 20. Let your fingers do the walking. We don't have yellow pages like that anymore, do we? Matthew chapter 20 and verses 1 through 9. We're not going to read the entire parable. But it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his harvest, or into his vineyard. And he went out the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. And again, he went about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle. And saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? And they say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. And he saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when even is come, or was come, the Lord of the vineyard said, uh, saith unto the steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they, uh, they came uh, that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. And then those that came first, they also received a penny. And it's an amazing story of grace and the goodness of God that lets us know that even though we're kind of uh, in this harvest field a lot later than Abraham and and Ruth, and Ezekiel, and Esther, King David, where they started a long time ago, and by the way, he's the God of the living, out of the dead, they're still working, right? So all of them are still serving God in the vineyard, as such, so we're, we are just getting in at the end, as it were, and the awesome thing is, we all get paid the same. God has promised everybody that um, is in his field the same wage, and, and we don't deserve it. He's just being gracious. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. But I want us to see something else that's happening here that you might not have noticed. We can glean, if we could use a harvest term, glean something from the rest of this parable. By the way, uh, the rest of this, we're going to really focus on pastors, but I want everyone to listen, the pastors especially. Um, by the way, I had a mission friend that was on a polo, I think it was last night late, may have been early this morning. And he was talking about, he had a family over to his house, and they were over at his house, they were having a barbecue, it's in South America, and he said they were having a barbecue to just appreciate them and everything, but they were moving out of the region. And he was kind of sad because every year they lose somebody, they have a lot of transients, they stay for about five years because of some kind of government grant, and then they move on. And just the turnover in the church, you know, and you have to train people, and then they go off and work somewhere else, but he said, but it's not my kingdom. And he said, uh, I'm just, he said, we're all just pawns in God's kingdom. Well, another brother of mine, uh, if you remember Martin Wickens, I think you met him out in California. He's from Pennsylvania. He uh, spent a lot of years in England. He has a great uh, British accent. But uh, he came on, and he's such a smart aleck. Uh, he came on uh, in the next polo and said, well, brother, he said, not pulling rank or anything, but um, I'm a bishop. So... <laughs> 
So what we see in this uh, story of this householder and his vineyard is that the hiring of laborers for the vineyard was not the laborer's job. And it's easy for us to see all these needs and we have to find somebody, get a way to get somebody in and fill that need. And it's easy for us as laborers to try to do the work that's not really ours to do. And so, again, we need to pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. Uh, we are not that uh, job. We don't have that job. We don't have that position. What are the laborers to do? Well, we're to focus on the needs in the vineyard. You know, working in the vineyard, the laborers best see the needs in the vineyard. As we're working away, we can see things that someone outside the vineyard can't see. And, uh, you know, I, I remember just working in, in the yard and uh, just seeing all the problems. And, and man, it's just my dad and myself. We're, we're working away. I have to recruit one of my sisters. No. Um, but uh, you, you work in there and you start seeing, okay, there's, someone needs to weed this patch over here. And, and someone needs to go over here and um, break off all these parts of this tomato plant. And, oh, um, the rabbits are getting in over there and we have to put a fence in. And you can see it because you're, they're in the garden. Well, in the vineyard, you can see, oh, wow, someone needs to come in here and dig and dung all these vines. Someone needs to get in here and lift up all these branches and, and tie them up. And, oh, it's, it's time for the harvest. We need to get people in here with the baskets and, and start. And then, oh, some of these we're going to use for raisins. So we have to twist the grapes on the, on the vine and, and leave them hanging. But someone has to do the work. And you see all of these jobs to do. But it's not your job to, one, assign people necessarily to all of those, and it's not your job to hire someone to do that either. Uh, we are to know the need, but not all of the need is our responsibility. Uh, there was a book that was put out, Moneyball. Uh, it was about the 2002 Oakland A's. I was on deputation at that time, and I began to hear what was going on with this baseball team. They were a poor baseball team. They didn't have much money. They didn't have a lot of talent. They had a little bit of talent. But they were, uh, it looked like they were going to be really bad. And there was a lot of predictions that they were going to have a really bad season. Well, to my chagrin, because I'm a KC Royals fan, um, one of the famous things that happened that year was uh, the 20th win came at the expense of my baseball team. But Oakland A's had a massive win streak. They started really bad, and they started winning, 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 and even Kansas City Royals couldn't stop them. But the story is, it's made into a book, and I think there was a movie. Uh, Billy Bean was the manager, and he went to the owners, and he was, hey, let's, we need more money. We need better players. But they, they weren't going to get more money, and they weren't going to get better players, so he had to take what he had and uh, get those people to produce and they were able to do that. And um, in the work, I found that we learn to employ each worker according to unique tools and abilities. God has placed laborers in our churches already. And we need to find places for them that God would have them, hey, uh, this is something that this person is good at. Uh, the Lord has something ready for them to do. Let's do it. And so it's easy to say, well, we need more. We need someone else. But no, God has put some laborers in there. Uh, let's put them to work. So God did not give me as a pastor the ability to hire and bring in someone new. I can't bring in uh, pastors into the ministry. God calls those. Uh, I, assistant pastors, youth pastors, Sunday school workers. 
isn't that God's job. Okay, but when they come into the church, then we can do something with them. So once they're in the vineyard with me, then if God's given me the pastoral duty, the manager's spot, then I can start plugging in. Hey, someone needs to take care of this vine right here. Oh, there's someone needs to water this over here. Uh, but uh, until that happens, um, it's not my business. So we don't hire. Uh, we do know the need. We need to know the need. And then we take that need to the Lord. Right? That's our, that's our job. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, if you would. Again, this part's for the pastors especially. Ephesians chapter 4 is a very famous passage on the four gifted men that God has given to the church. I need to turn faster. There we go. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. All right, and then he talks a little more about all of what that entails, but what we find here is as pastors, uh, we are laboring in a vineyard by also equipping the laborers that the Lord puts in our care. The people on your shift, Pastor, those are the ones that you are responsible for equipping so that they can do the work in the vineyard. So uh, the Lord has given us this, and, and we go through this chapter, we can see as pastors, these are things that we know that we ought to be helping uh, our people with. And one is they end up with the sound doctrine, and then they are equipped to then take the gospel out into the world. And that's the goal. So uh, we want more laborers. One of the things we need to do is care for the ones that God has given to us. We need to equip them so they can go out and serve more, serve better in the field that God has given us. Uh, so we equip them to labor better. And then we go on and we pray for guidance and the tools to the end that those are best equipped. And then we pray that the Lord will help us build up laborers to send into other parts of the vineyard. And I, too, bemoan the fact we work on people, we invest in them, and then they end up moving somewhere else. But that's God's program. He, he has other places, other vineyard, other parts of the vineyard that need work. And so sometimes our job is to train up that next person to go over there because we can't. We're working here. Someone needs to go over there. And so we work on them, train them, and equip them, and then they're out uh, in another part of the vineyard. And that's another way that we end up with laborers, more laborers in the vineyard. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. I know some of you, this isn't what you were looking for. But uh, as I said, this is what the Lord gave me immediately upon studying for this message over a month ago. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. As Jesus looked on the harvest field, and we, we were in this verse before, I know, but listen to this. As Jesus, what are we supposed to be doing? We're following Jesus. Jesus is teaching his apostles to do the same things he is doing. And so he is in the harvest, looking on the harvest field. So he is doing work. He is moved with compassion on what he sees. His eyes are open to the need of the people, and it moves his heart. 
and, and then he is serving in that same vineyard. And he is equipping the apostles to labor in the harvest field. See the three things? He's moved with compassion himself. He's serving himself in that vineyard. And now he's equipping someone else to do the same thing. That is the work of a pastor. And he told them to pray for new laborers. Getting new laborers is his job. New laborers are hired by him. He has the authority. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I cannot say, hey, you look like you should be pastor material. I can't look at someone and say, well, I think you're a missionary. And that is the Holy Spirit's job. He has the authority to do that. It's his vineyard. It's not my job to care for all the vineyard. I just do my job. I do the next thing that he puts in front of me. That's my duty. And I pray for the rest. What we're doing in this conference, this is exactly what we should be doing. We should be looking and letting it move our hearts, and then we start praying about it. We can't all go to every place. We can't clone ourselves and you know, work over here and here. And because if we start doing that, we don't take care of where we are. We need to be focused on the work in front of us, but also thinking about the need everywhere else. And what do we do with that? We then take that to the Lord. Again, it's his call. He's going to call. The gifts and callings of the Lord are without repentance. If I call somebody, I'll get them into ministry, and they're called by a man, and so they're going to have to be empowered by a man, and that's not going to go very far, is it? It's going to fail. The gifts and callings of the Lord are without repentance. You know that when the Lord calls, he also gives gifts for that ministry. And, and so, so we, we need to, to let the Lord do the calling, let the Lord give the gifts, and let him use people in his harvest, in his vineyard, as he sees fit. You know, sometimes we, we are really concerned about where are we going to get the laborers from. And we try to find out, I, I heard that someone had gone to all of the colleges that are in our kind of group, our um, uh, understanding, our belief, our philosophy of, of ministry. And they found that for Canada right now, it looks like there's like 22 people signed up to head north. Well, that's not going to go very far, is it? Well, I don't know how many God really has to come up here. We could look at that and we could be dismayed. But when we look in the scripture, we see what God did even in the early church. He took half-trained people like Paul and Apollos. And he put them in a position to get trained. They got saved and they got trained. And then they were in the ministry very quickly, within a couple of years. Some were moved by God. They were fully trained, but God had to move them. Barnabas, sent out by the church. Philip, the Holy Spirit had to move him off into uh, the desert. But some are moved through ordained circumstances. You know that God moved men in mountains, uh, generals and uh, leaders of nations, and, and did, did a big chess game to move an army down from the north, a famous army, the Italian band of the Roman army came down into the land around Israel because of uh, some things that God was doing in the hearts of, of uh, you know, like the emperor and some others, all just so that a centurion could be ministered to by Peter. God is, he will move things to where he will get what he wants done. His, his, he has ministers. He has laborers. He is going to make it happen. You know, you think of um, 
uh, one of my favorite stories, the Italian uh, expats, Aquila and Priscilla. They were kicked out of Rome when one of the guys said, we don't like Jews now, we're going to kick them out. So they had to flee. They end up in a place where they find Apollos and they train him. And then later on, things change in Rome, they end up back in Rome. Because now it's the Christians that are kicked out and the Jews are friends. I think it was under Nero. But uh, it's amazing how God moved them around and got them into positions so they could minister. God is going to move people where he wants them. He has the laborers. He's going to. And, and again, how many do we need? We don't know. He could use a few. And, and we can reach Canada. Uh, so we have to believe that God knows what he's doing. And we don't need to be the ones trying to make it happen. But what we do need to do is exactly what he told us. Hey, he has the resources. He has the money. And he has the people. He has the power. So what do we do about the shortage of laborers? Exactly what he told you to do. We pray. Pray that the Lord will send forth laborers. You need laborers. Pray about it. Your church needs help. Pray about it. The neighboring churches look like they're struggling. Pray about it. And make it important to you. If you are in the harvest field and your eyes are open to the need, you will be moved like Jesus with compassion for those people, and you will understand that someone's got to do something, but God didn't tell you to do all of it. You're already working in the field, right? You're already in the, you're, you're soul winning, you're handing out tracts, you're sharing the gospel, you better be, because that, as, a, as a laborer in the field, you sh- hey, you're a Christian, you should be at this, right? But then beyond that, as you're doing that, your heart should be just full saying, wow, there's so many people I know that need the gospel. And there's so many people I don't know that need the gospel. What are we going to do about it? There's a shortage of workers. Pray. Go to God with that burden. That's what he's asking you to do. God will take care of the need.